And it goes for 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. Yeah, the Dharma boys are in the hatch tonight. And you know we're gonna crash like it's 815. Yeah, the Dharma boys are in the hatch tonight. And you know we're gonna crash like it's 815. Okay, waiting for it to say. Oh, it's recording. Okay. Yep, we got it. Uh, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Dharma Boys, a lost podcast. I'm Vincent Taylor. And I'm Taylor Wilson. We're coming to you live from the island here in the little stinker station. Uh, a quick word of warning. <laughs> this show does contain adult language and lost spoilers. This week we're discussing season one, episode four, Walkabout. Uh, what's this episode about, man? I think I missed it. Uh, it's about a guy, a bald man. He kind of just wreaks havoc on all the other survivors of this plane crash creeps them out constantly, gets them into nefarious situations, and doesn't help them get out of it. Yeah, and he finds a shoe. He does. He finds a shoe. Starts wearing other people's shoes. The luck of that situation. To look over (laughs) and see his shoe right next to him. (laughs) Or Or maybe it's actually not his shoe, but it's even bigger coincidence. It's another shoe that's identical in style color and size they do look comfortable for traveling i think so he's rocking the gold toe socks too which is a wonderful <laughs> brand <laughs> i think well if you can't feel how the socks feel i guess it's not that bad right do you think that was his first thought was holy shit my feet feel so good right now with these socks <laughs> or do what you think he's like fuck i should have gotten better socks i should have prepared for the day oh. that i would have felt my feet again Oh no, he has horrible socks. Yeah, because oh. you know, why would it matter? I guess that's true. That's um, very, very not okay of me to say. <laughs> like, but he's not real. And I would never say that to a real person in a wood. It's very true. We we got to this point of of getting to know John Locke's secret. Uh, finally, after three episodes of wondering what's this guy's deal. He has a secret, and it's a pretty beautiful secret, actually. Mm-hmm. He has a, yeah. a miracle happen to him, and it. I he told found him, all I those knives, right? That was what it was. He found a <laughs> box of knives. I will say this about Locke: Locke becomes a, a, a video game character in this episode. He uh, he throws knives. He has a badass scar, and he has a catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> he says it so many times. He does. Actually, the average episode count of John Locke saying, don't tell me what I can't do is 42 times every episode of the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> pretty... I wasn't a fan of the way they wrote that in, but, you know, I get the point. Uh, yeah. So, I want to talk about on the island stuff first, because there's a lot in Locke's backstory worth discussing, but I, I, I actually don't want to talk about Locke just yet. Because yeah. there's a I mixed up my notes. A thousand pardons, uh, folks, if anyone is listening. Well, I had some technical difficulties last week, and I had my notes mixed up, and I know I'm ruined in this industry, but I'm, I'm begging your forgiveness. It's actually this episode that has a lot of subplots, way more than the third episode. Oh, I, interesting. I didn't even notice uh, because – Maybe there's a lot of subplots anyway. There's a lot going on either way. Yeah, I think that's a, something you can kind of point out for a lot of episodes. But yeah, this episode also does have a lot of subplots. Well, I think that the show eventually gets to a point where it has a flashback, and then on island, it's 
plot A, and then there's plot B. This has flashback, plot A, plot B, plot like a B.5, plot C, plot C.5, point seven five. It, it's, it's a lot happening. Uh, we've got Shannon trying to get food. We've got Charlie helping him. I'm counting that as a separate thing because he goes off on his own. Uh, yeah. We've got Saeed with his broken yep. radio that will never help anyone. Uh, Jack and Rose, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's so true. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff happening on the island that just is. Uh, some is very relevant, and some is just kind of fun. Some stuff I feel like they maybe they came up with parts of it, like oh, wouldn't it be fun if uh, at one point Charlie helps Shannon get a fish, uh, and then they just chose this episode to put it into. There's not a lot of stuff that happens that. Um, there's not there are not a lot of like the sub subplots that happen that would be that could only happen in this episode if that makes sense it's true yeah the, season one is is, is a is a great place for them to put all this stuff and then they do kind of make it a lot more linear i think as it goes on it helps but, flesh out characters i mean that's for sure i mean you, you get to know who and Shirley is Shirley. <laughs> that's my new uh Shirley. That's it's their my, relationship. That's yeah, like their shipping name, Churley. Yeah, Churley. Um, seeing them together is always nice. This, this is, is the, the first, first time, time. The first time that they're together. I mean, that's they have. I wonder if this is where they discovered the chemistry that they have, uh, and then that's yeah. where it, because they are an unlikely duo. But this is true. Like on paper, they're an unlikely duo, but I wonder if someone just kind of put that in there and then let's see how this works. And then the two of them, the actors, uh, just have great chemistry. I think part of the fun of being in that situation is being one of the, the writers or showrunners, at least early on, is just testing the waters with different combinations and different pairings of people and see what sticks. This episode is, is, is kind of like talking about how we said like season one touches on a lot of the aspects of a survival drama. And this is one episode that does that. They've, they've run out of food. It's a question of, okay, what do we eat? Enter John Locke, who provides this, the boar, the pig. Yeah, the, uh, the three little pigs. Well, I did like that at the beginning uh, when they're um, talking about the fuselage and there are three little piggies in there. Um, <laughs> I didn't notice it was three, actually. Well, I, I noticed the one. I was like, oh, right, the one boar. But then I remember the like kid that their babies plot so three of them run out and it's odd to me that either Locke or sawyer didn't think to comment on that that would that oh. Oh, man they set that up for sawyer dude what a yeah, missed he, opportunity i know just a just a what you gonna do on the woods baldy blow three little piggies houses down like why why is there nothing there we should have written we should have written this terrible show (laughs) (laughs) it's it's actually great though when they go up to uh check out this disturbance because jack has this tiny little flashlight in his pocket and then sawyer's got this huge flashlight (laughs) this magnum flashlight it's one that is what a that's one of my uh one of my notes is i wrote three little pigs sawyer's big flashlight (laughs) are the first two things i wrote I wrote Jack's Wee Light and Sawyer's in all caps Magnum. Yeah, it is a Magnum light. Or sorry, or Jack has a pediatrician's flashlight. This is true. That's for looking down children's throats to see if they're sick. He does. He has the doctor light. (laughs) They they do address the the pigs and they will they will uh, 
feast on boar at some point. I just want to say I wish that I lived there just for the diet, the fresh fish, the 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 pork, the yeah. uh, fruit. Tons I don't know what that would do to my body in the long run, but I would be pretty happy for a while. I, yeah, I think it, it would. Would I get so all there, the nutrients I need? You would off of those things, I think, as long as there are some plants in there. But you're feeding 42 people, so you no nobody's going to be eating enough, I don't think, at this point. That's true. That is true. You're constantly trying to provide and then find their next meal. But they've, they've got a hunter now, and that's a beautiful thing. Uh, Locke really is a badass in this, and uh, I don't want to get to him just yet, though, because there's a couple more things. The, I want to talk about the burning of the bodies. Yeah, I, I have a lot to say about that. And by a lot, I mean one kind of detailed note about Jack, but go on. <laughs> Why don't you – no, I want to hear this Jack thing. So I think with Jack, like, um, he – this is – I guess he's always like this, but he's very much a reluctant hero in this, a reluctant mm -hmm. leader. People – I don't know what it is. I don't know what his behavior in the past few episodes has – Maybe it's because he's just a doctor and people know he's a doctor. He helped clear out um, the situation with the federal marshal, uh, generally checking on folks, I guess, being a doctor. People are now enlisting him for the responsibilities of a leader for the first time. And he doesn't is, want it. No, he really, he's really opposed and doesn't understand why people are seeing him as this. So exactly. I, I wonder if he is a natural leader, if he has really been helpful on this island um, and people recognize that. And Jack, that's just not something Jack could see for himself. He's already having that. Ha he has that self-doubt in his life. Or is it that people are just gravitating to who they think is like, this is a doctor. This is a, like a, you know, uh, this is someone that could be very helpful. But you would think that would fall on Locke in this episode because we see Locke with like a lot of his own skill sets and no one is really interested in Locke even at that point when he's proven who he is, I think. Uh, it, it's an interesting position that Jack's put in because they, you know, they, wanna, they want him to burn the fuselage or he wants to burn the fuselage and people are against that because those are real people but Jack's being very clinical about the situation. And one and, of the people against the burning the bodies is Saeed. He's very vocal so, about this. And I'm, actually, I think we're going to say the same thing here. Go ahead. Uh, well, I, I don't – you know, in the show, Saeed is Muslim. And mm -hmm. I, I don't want to speak on that on my own. I don't know enough about the tenets of that faith. So I have it right here. It's really brief. It says, in Islam, cremation is considered to be haram or an unclean practice. Muslims are forbidden to take part in the act of cremation in any way, including witnessing the event or even stating approval of it. In Islam, funeral rites are prescribed by the divine law. Burying the dead is the method prescribed. So I think, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of different sects of that, but I think for, for this case, that explains why Saeed is so against this. See, I, I was curious about that because my initial reaction on him being against it was if anyone is second, like the next most clinical person, I would peg it to be Saeed because Saeed before this moment is just very scientific and very 
uh, he doesn't have like a military mind necessarily, but all we really know about him is that he's fixing this radio and that he was in the military. Um, I would say he does have a soldier's mindset for sure. So I think it makes sense that he would look at things pretty objectively without emotion. And that's what I, I think that I, I, when I first heard that, uh, when I, when he first like is opposed to the birdie, burn, <laughs> the body's burning, it made me curious about, or it adds an, an adds another layer, and I think that may have been Wyatt Saeed that says that. I mean, clearly they did their research into the faith, and they know that that would be something that if you were a Muslim, he would be opposed to. But we had no reason before that to think that he was religious in any way. That's not just not the information we really had. You know, That's there's true. not there's not much. I I really like that detail though. I do like that Saeed is the one that ha- is most opposed because maybe you do suspect that he would be the next most clinical and kind of objective next to jack at that point i like that 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 makes sense i think that i think that i mean even if you were to not look at the religious component i mean it's just an argument of like having a reverence for the dead and taking your time and the ceremony versus you know just making sure they don't start rotting on the beach yeah And and i think that like i think you're right i think jack I think no one is against Jack's idea. Yeah, it's kind of the compromise, ultimately. It is. It's just how he wants to, like, him and Claire have that conversation, and she says, well, I thought you could read out something. Why me? Why me? Because that's Jack's thing. (laughs) He's always just, why me? Um, And Claire says, well, maybe I could do it. He's like, yeah, you should. You know, like, he... He's not opposed to it happening necessarily. He just doesn't understand why people want so much stuff from him. This is true. Jack and Rose, that's something that I have here. Mm-hmm. And then I love that they go and have the, these moments to each other. Jack is going to, I think he's going to do what he does. He's trying to look out for people. And he does have that, that, uh, back, that very brief background with Rose just by sitting next to her talking to her on the plane. But I think in some ways, Jack you know jack went to help rose but I, I do think that rose was helping jack quite a bit as well because while everyone on this show is coming here and they're they're all trying to figure out their their demons and get past that and and kind of get there so to speak they're trying to get to a certain point i think rose is already there she's already this character who just has this deep wisdom and, and i i don't really think it wavers a lot throughout the entire series no so, i think no, go but, ahead, man. No, I, I was just gonna like I, I agree with you. I think that she she's obviously like I mean, Jack says it that she's going through some sort of like uh post traumatic um like issues at this point. And I think that it, it is partially that, but I don't know. I love Rose. I I, I I love her relationship with just with the island, uh in the series, with characters she's the one that has everything kind of figured out and no one seems to acknowledge it really except Jack. It's true. Rose actually is having the same exact thing. I I think, you know, we're watching this journey through Locke's eyes in this episode, but Rose is going through the same exact thing. We don't find that out till much later in the show, but Rose had a miracle happen to her as well when she crashed. And uh, I think, and I think I would argue really like, Everybody had, uh, well, everybody that's important anyway on the show had a miracle happen to them. And it's just that some of these miracles manifested in very real and tangible ways for these people. 
And True. like Jack's miracle just surviving not, is the miracle. Yeah, surviving is the miracle. Jack's miracle is not going to be Locke's miracle. Clearly, it's like True. you know, uh, or the same with Rose. And I think Ro- yeah, Rose did have a miracle happen to her, uh, but even without that, I guess just the place that she was in, she's just, this is it. Okay. This is the next thing. That's how, that's how it feels to like with Rose that it, it's not, it's not, I can't wait to get back. It's not, I want to leave. When are they going to rescue us? It's just, okay. This is and it's I'm not even, go. I've got to find my husband. She's yeah. so sure of it. It's not even a, you know, everyone in the show is always constantly rushing to do something they're always like we've got to go across the island we've got to go get this thing we've got to get the component or a gun or something and rose is never i mean even with someone who has the knowledge or you know uh, as far as she says he's alive uh, presumably on this island she's not saying we've got to go find him she just has this very deep unshakable faith that they will be reunited he's thinking the same thing we are yeah that's the you know Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I love her and I love I love her and Jack's relationship. I, I, I like that that's kind of a continuous like strand. Um, throughout the they, show. Yeah, throughout the show that the, the it is though it's the person that has the least figured out we may come to find um, speaking with someone that has the most figured out, it seems like. Like not that, about the island, not not in the context of the mysteries of the island, just in life in their lives. That's how it feels. I think so yeah um, exactly if we look at the series as jack's journey jack is a very very long way to go yeah. uh, i think that this episode for him is him finally allowing himself to process his trauma because at the end when everybody is out at the funeral thing and claire's saying those really nice words uh, try, just trying to be kind to strangers that she doesn't know and never will based on what's in their wallets and purses uh, yeah. Jack is sitting by himself, and I think he's he's just from the moment he woke up, he's been going and trying to help and fix people and do things, and this is the first time he's just sitting and, and, and processing it. Yeah, and I think well, I think that's partially because they're kind of, uh, I mean, they're memorializing the people that are physically dead on the island, but they're also that's everybody's way. In that moment, I think that's a lot of people accepting that. Oh, maybe this is our lives now. And Jack True. is especially doing that. I think at that moment, Jack thinks, maybe even just for a second, okay, what if we just are here? What is my role in this? What do I do? Like That's I've already true. been on worrying about getting people ready for rescue and everything. But maybe now a lot of, I'm sure a lot of people felt that way on the island that, oh, this is it. This is, this is our funeral too, in a way. You know, this is our memorial in a way as well. Um, that's a good way. I didn't thought of that. Yeah, it is kind of a, it's sort of a death of their idea. It, it's like the the death of who they were before yeah. they got here because it is setting in that they're not going to leave this place for a long time, if ever. Yep. Uh, another thing that we uh, see in this episode is the uh, another uh, son, Michael Paul moment moments oh no the the terrorizing <laughs> continues what do, I mean, what do we got i mean why are you first of all this uh this woman who like the only context you have of her michael is that you saw you ran into her naked once that's <laughs> and true presumably we go what we said last time that michael or uh walt had run into uh is it walt that was supposed to run into jen doing yes. his business yeah so yes. they're 
all these awkward interactions with this family already, and now you want this woman to babysit your child, Michael? And hey, I saw your that, boobs yesterday. Will you watch my son? Yeah. Oh, by the way, we don't speak the same language. <laughs> yes, that's like, such a good point. How everybody else son. that he's talked to, for the most part, you know that they speak English. One of them's about to be a mom, and that's your thought point. is, oh, the woman that I saw naked. Me, let me stick her with my son while I go make sure this bald guy isn't a total creep. <laughs> like that, I hadn't thought of that at all. Actually, I <laughs> really hadn't noticed. They that man, they do that man is just uh, trying to. He's, he's making just trying up to, an excuse to talk to son, huh? Yep, that's it. Oh, yep, hey, son! Just, I saw a sleeve. I thought it was cool. What he's just gonna go up to her constantly, just trying to find <laughs> reasons to hang out. For son. It's really awkward to, uh, spoiler alert, pretend to not know English. Yeah, I, I would didn't hate know. that. Yeah, I think that that's the, having um, the context of the show while watching it um, does change how you see those moments. But regardless, it's still true to Michael that Sun doesn't speak English, right? And Sun true. could very easily say, like, look, uh, like she could, she could fake, fake knowing right. saying some no english yeah or that or she could just say look man be cool uh I listen, could... dude, listen, my husband doesn't know <laughs> no one knows yeah that would i guess that would be kind of a nightmare she tells everyone else on the dl hey <laughs> don't tell him <laughs> so they keep this up forever and we don't uh, see think... much of it after that though i think that would have been a little bit more interesting than some of the subplot we got I, I really like. Wait, what do you mean? Well, if if Sun is keeping up this kind of game, that she doesn't speak English, so the whole time she was with Walt means that she couldn't have spoke English with him. I almost would have liked to see that for an episode or as a subplot of an episode to really see the two of them interacting, um, mm -hmm. because clearly he stuck with her all day. So. That's true. What were they doing? You know, I mean, I think that I don't know. I just I think that would have been, up, dude. I would slip up if I was playing especially, that game. Especially with a kid. Yeah, if he was like, yeah, like, I, I think that the sky's blue because of rainbows, I would be like, no, man. And I would just be like, fuck. Uh, like, I don't know. I would just slip up at some but point. But also, it would be like, who are you going to tell? You're a No kid. one will believe you. Son speaks English. <laughs> no, she doesn't. Okay. Well, no, you're insane. Your you're kid 10. is a liar. Yeah, <laughs> get out of here. Exactly. Um, yeah, Speaking but I, of... I don't know. Speaking of kind of weird pairings, uh, there's a scene between uh, Sawyer and Claire where he gives her, I, I think, food. I'm not really clear on what he gave her. Yeah. But Sawyer has no idea how to be nice. It's a very weird scene. Or not weird, but it's awkward. And I think Sawyer's still feeling that sense of guilt. And I think maybe he does little things here and there. It's like, I'll do this one nice thing. Here you go, pregnant lady. And I think... I don't think he knows how to be a good person at this point in his journey. Yeah, I don't – well, I don't know if it's that – I'm not sure if he doesn't know or if he is just resisting. Yeah. Testing the waters, too. It's almost like, really difficult to even, like – Well, it's almost, yeah, it, No, go on. It's being a jackass for the sake of being one because he yeah. thinks – People view me as the jackass, and I am that, so I must be that. And then the defense mechanism. 
Yeah, and then maybe which, after the the pilot or the pilot the Marshall incident, you kind of being you you, are, you start the thing that he's been trying not to do the entire time, which is just confront anything about himself. Mm-hmm. He's having he's forced to do now because of that situation. That's true. He uh, he does. I mean he. He wants to be hated to a degree, but there's a certain point where he's like, I, this is way too fucked up for me. And j- just trying to find some small way to redeem himself, I think. Just just even if it's just a random like, oh, hey, here's some food, bye, um, kind of thing. To just someone. It's not, it's not someone that he's going to gain anything from. I think that's important too. Right, absolutely. Uh, let's see. They go out hunting this boar. Kate climbs a tree. Kate climbs trees a lot in the show. I that's all I got. I mean, it's not a big thing. It's just an observation. Kate likes Patsy Klein, as we saw last week, and she likes to climb trees. She does. She loves climbing a good tree. And the, the uh, I mean, <laughs> she destroys the little the, the device doing it, but she does like love climbing a tree. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's always a price. And her and Jack at this point are already very, very touchy. It's extremely noticeable if you're like watching the interaction. Yeah, it's just like yeah. a hand on the shoulder. Jack straight up just grabs her face. Like she comes up and he just puts his hand on her face and he's like, Are you okay? Like imagine <laughs> doing that to somebody that you met three days ago. I did want to actually, I'm sorry, that reminds me of the Rose and Jack interaction uh, again. She's the first person, I did want to mention that, that she's the first person that uh, tells Jack why people are gravitating towards him. I did. I had that written down and didn't get to the point. Um, but she says that uh, he's kind and caring. Um, she says, you have a nice way about you. And I was watching that with Kinsey, and Kinsey said, sometimes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's, it's so true. So, it is sometimes true. Jack, is a, Jack can be a huge dickhead. Oh, no, he definitely can. When she said that, uh, she says that, you know, she tells him why I think people are gravitating towards him, and he brushes it off his family business. True. And while I do think that Jack is definitely not great all the time, uh, Rose is the most perceptive person at this point on the True. island. I, you know what I mean? I, I just wanted to make that point that Rose, the kind of like closure to Jack's story in this episode is that he doesn't really understand why people want him and then rose just immediately knows and shares with him not immediately but in their conversation shares with him why and he she's the first person to say why everybody just right. wants things from jack and he doesn't understand why and she kind of puts it into but he still brushes it off it's still not a good enough reason for him anyway i'm sorry so then we're with kate oh, and no no i like this i like this with jack because she i mean while, while I do think Jack's a dick sometimes, at her core, uh, at the core of what she's saying is very true. Jack is uh, pretty much solely motivated by helping other people. And uh, I, it's cool that his, uh, his, his episode is next week. I'm really excited about getting to that. And he sees this mysterious man in the woods. This is the first time we get a glimpse of something that is very, very weird. That shot is very unsettling, and we don't even know why it's, it's just, creepy as it's, shit dude it's <laughs> this so, guy. It so yeah it's just a guy and he could uh, it's so i can't I, I cannot wait until next week so it's gonna be good <laughs> this episode is the first one that really starts to establish okay this island is not normal and i, I mean you could make that case for the pilot because you know there's a creepy signal there's a monster but i think this is 
this is more like there's a certain energy to this island. This is, you know, this man stands up after being paralyzed for years. There's a, a ghost, maybe a phantom, a vision, something. Um, this this figure that is is starting to haunt Jack. I think it's really cool, and it's kind of this uh, balance between something very beautiful and very creepy. Well, what about that moment when we find out? Lots let's go. Of... Let's go into the flashbacks. There's a lot yeah. happening here. Let's get off this dang island. Actually, we... before we do that. Let's have a little tail section trivia. Play the music. Come on, homie, step on up for tail section trivia. These are facts we learned about. That's why it's called trivia. Uh, what you got for us, man? It'll be brief. There's not a lot going on here. Uh, when Charlie is getting patched up by Jack, you see his Lord of the Rings tattoo on his arm. Every member, except for one, I can't remember who it was, all of the fellowship from Lord of the Rings got an elvish tattoo. It's the elvish figure for nine and it's just perfectly visible right there i thought that was i'm cool. gonna go on a limb and say with sean bean <laughs> it may have been i kind of think it was like i don't really know it may have been maybe sean. Ian mckellen yeah. who knows sadly i should have dove in but you know what this isn't lord of the rings trivia so um i don't feel bad but uh that was actually another big draw when i first was wanting to watch this i love lord of the rings and i just gotten off that high of return of the king so seeing Mary the Hobbit in this dinosaur <laughs> show. That was a, that was I was sold. <laughs> so uh, the the OG title of this was not going to be Walkabout, but Lord of the Flies, and it was rejected as being too glib, which I totally agree. Yep, uh, doesn't there fit was, that episode. No, I, I don't think it fits. Walkabout means so much more than a kind of weird reference, literary reference. And uh, the last thing I got here is, uh, is an unfilmed scene where John Locke is going to introduce himself instead of that throwing out the knife. And then uh, Jack says, you know, Mr. And then that's when Michael says, Locke, Mr. Locke. He, John Locke was going to be like, I'm John Locke. And Kate was literally going to say, oh, like the philosopher and actually <laughs> say that out loud. And say so she was like, for, had a, took a philosophy <laughs> class. And I was very glad that that was cut because it's a horrible thing. Oh, no, uh, I want it, actually. Oh, you, see, when there's he a said, lot of... What? When Jack said Mr., and I was like, and the whole lock thing happens, I thought, someone at this point should say, oh, like the philosopher. That's I what get I, it. If I were one of the 42, I would whisper that to Charlie. Like the and philosopher. I, oh, that, oh, yeah, yeah, it's John Locke. I try to look into... <laughs> they, and then they continue to do it throughout the time. Every time they meet someone on the series that is based on like a famous philosopher or scientist, they say it again. Like, oh, like this. There's no subtlety. I like that version of Lost too. I don't. <laughs> I'm sure that there is someone who's really going to disagree with me on this or try to tell me how this fits. But when I was just kind of doing my very cursory, just kind of glancing over John Locke, the philosopher's stuff, what he was about. It didn't really seem to fit John Locke on Lost whole vibe in a really blatant way, so I decided not to dive into that. It's it more didn't. of a way that they can just like tip a hat, like Jack is Jack Shepard, John Locke is John Locke. There's, uh, I think there are just like kind of allusions and references kind of sprinkled in that don't necessarily need to mean more than that, right? 
Right. If I had to, I mean, gun to my head, sit down and be like, write about the parallels between the real John Locke and the fake one. I mean, sure, I could, but it just none of it really stuck out to me. So. No, none of it matters. And frankly, I like our John Locke better than the other guy. Yeah, that guy can suck an egg. Boom. Okay, then we can cut it out here for I don't know how to end the tail section trivia. Uh, but uh, 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 that it? That all you got? Tri- yeah, that's all I got for that, trivia. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, I guess we can flashback and. Flashbacks, yes. So the flashbacks in this revolve around John and his job at the office store. I wrote this down because I really wanted to word it right. I didn't want to get anything wrong because, you know, you got to phrase things really particularly sometimes. But let me see my notes here. Uh, It says, fuck Randy. (laughs) (laughs) He's He's a giant dickhead for no reason. And I think Locke could easily sue him. Yeah, I don't understand why Locke hasn't quit or I filed a this, complaint with HR. I think, yeah, I mean, you just take a recorder and keep it in your pocket and just hang around, go to work for one week. It seems like it's Randy's thing on the daily to just ridicule Locke and, and that, toe the line about what he says about him. Oh, you know Randy has said a slur in yeah. front of someone at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Randy sucks. And uh, it just sucks because what like what Locke is living is this kind of corporate America hellscape that I think a lot of people are stuck in. Yeah. Well, uh, it is it, cool, though, that the little receipt machine he uses makes the same sound as a smoke monster. Oh, interesting. He's typing something in it starts going like, that's my impression of the smoke monster. My uh, my grandma actually had one of those um, in her off in her home office, and she used to just buy reams of paper for me, so that I could go in there as a child and crunch the numbers, and nice. it would literally just be me pushing all the buttons as fast as I could to try That's to outrun awesome. the printer. Yes. Uh, so there would just be streams all over her office of that exact model, uh, just streams of paper everywhere with random numbers typed all over it. Uh, so if that. You- if you, she had given you a cigarette and some lines of coke, you could have gotten a job on Wall Street, man. Easy. I did instantly. Uh, four years old. I think it, it would have been fun. in here. He's crunching <laughs> the numbers. <laughs> He's crunching them like crazy. Long does crunch some numbers, though. He does. He does. And then he goes, it, what do you got go on it? No, no, no. I was just going to say that I think that Randy, you know, Randy's awful, but you don't have context for what exactly Locke's deal is. So it makes right. it much worse when that revelation happens. He's like, yeah. a walkabout? And what do you do on a walkabout? He wasn't just Yeah, he wasn't just making fun of the fact that he was doing it. Like, Randy's not ignorant enough. He's not making fun of the fact that it's a walkabout. He's making fun of the fact that this disabled man is trying to do that. It's so much worse yes. when you have that context at the end. But what a reveal. It's like, amazing. I know, there's a, I know there's a lot, but that reveal is just like it, it's it's the cherry on top of this misery. It's this progressive story of a miserable person who is you got him at the office, and then you've got him at home talking to some woman who we reveal is some. I guess I looked into this because I, I I didn't know this was a service that you could do, but you can apparently just pay to talk to people, typically women, and. It's not even always sexual. It's not like a sex talk line. It's just a, I need a friend. I need a company. 
or it's like a, a pay to have a girlfriend thing. And those are, those are services even, even now. And I, I guess I'm thinking that's who Helen is in this. We know that eventually Locke, we find out eventually that Locke had a thing with another woman named Helen. This is not the same person. And she's, she says that he's a client. So I can only assume that is his deal. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly, I guess, what was happening. But he is so, he's cut by that. He's very he cut. And, and, and it's sad because he's sitting here talking to her and he's talking about how he, like, stood up to Randy and really showed him. And he, he didn't do that at all. Yeah. He just kind of said, like, just don't tell me what I can't do. And it's really sad to see him go back and then embellish it as if it was a really badass moment for him when, uh, God. And then, yeah, uh, yeah man. This this episode makes me feel very sad a lot, actually. Knowing it's a triumphant that, like, kind of reveal. It is. It it's so because you don't wit you don't realize the whole time you're watching this episode that you're witnessing the first real miracle that's happened. Right. And it it coincides nearly with Locke confronting the monster and thinking, like he's confronted this monster on the island. Um, and then the next time we see him, we find out about the wheelchair. Then he shows up with the boy. We see Locke actually facing a fear. Yeah. And, and coming out of the other side unscathed because of this miracle that happened to him. I mean, Locke's life is not just changed because he is not con uh, he's not confined to this wheelchair anymore. It's changed because not being confined to that wheelchair was the catalyst for him to be everything that he has always wanted to be right Important, I agree. helpful skillful because he is all those things it's just that he is not given that opportunity to be that person until he's on this island which really like i mean we're going to come to explore it a lot more like in the near future that's really why he has such a connection with this he really very, became who he was supposed to be yes that's very true i'm very glad you phrased it that way because going into it this episode and, and discussing this thing, I, it was really important to me to not try to do anything to like frame this situation as, you know, having a disability, that's a bad life. Not having it, that's a good life. And it's definitely I, not that. It's just that yeah. Locke, Locke happened to have this disability that I, th I think Locke probably was the same person he was outside of the wheelchair as he was in the wheelchair when he, when he uh, became disabled. He, um you know the bulk of the tragedy of his life was not because of that situation exactly everything else was probably already happening or would have happened regardless it's just that yeah. it, like you said it's kind of this cherry on top of this man's miserable life that you reveal that the one thing that he that he did want to do they won't let him do right and it's it was, probably ironically the like other than the wheelchair he's probably more prepared than anybody else. Like, because it's he's true. so skilled, he's so skilled in every other way and knows all these things and utilizes them so well on the island. No, but to me, of course, like the miracle, like, like I keep saying that word, of course, the actual physical miracle that we witness is a man who was in a wheelchair, not needing that wheelchair anymore. But the real, like underneath that, like the real miracle is Locke's becoming true it's it's just that he is finally who he feels he was supposed to be this entire time and nothing to do with the wheelchair it's just that the wheelchair is the kind of the 
oh my god, I am not this person I thought I was. I guess kind of you know realization that he has an island. I love that man. I that's like I love it so much. Like that's like, it's such a it's such a good reveal and what a like that's one of those episodes. This episode is one of those episodes that's just it's iconic to the series. It's so good. It is. It, it and I actually I think I told you in the first episode when we talked about our background that this was the episode that got me. I didn't know this. I didn't include this in the tail section trivia, but apparently. It's a, a term coined by Lost fans as the walkabout effect because a lot of Lost fans cite this episode as well as like this is what got them into the show ultimately. Wow. And it makes sense. Yeah. It's a very powerful thing to witness, and it's, it's accompanied by the – we haven't talked about the score of the show yet, but Michael Giacchino, the guy who composes this, this is a network show with a cinematic level score and the music that plays yes. during that. Don't tell me what I can't do. And then it cuts to the beach. I mean, it's, it is, I mean, your, if your eyes aren't watering up in that scene, man, ah, fuck, they were for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm familiar with that twist and everything. It still got <laughs> yeah. me. Like, yeah, I knew it was coming. And I was just almost like, it was almost like my eyes were getting like, wetter through the episode because i knew it was coming and i couldn't wait to have that 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 release yes <laughs> you know what i mean just this is kind of like i was waiting for that moment and just to see it just to witness it and just bear witness to this change this man's about to have and it just fuck i love it so much i i really can't like yeah it's a it's a, it's a solid one i can't it's a great wow. it's a be it's beautiful and it, it is kind of hard to put it all out like you are kind of just stuck with wow like when you watch that it does set up Locke's journey because it's Locke is a super important person to this series, and this is the episode that sets him off on his journey because before that, he was just a guy that there was something about him. We didn't know what it was, and now he, after this realization, I mean, even on Island, he's already kind of had this sort of litmus test of facing this monster that can and, and and does violently murder people and he's walked away unscathed he's walked yep. away and, and, and in fact i'm not gonna push this but i just think it's interesting the boar ran into the the when you know lock is hunting this boar runs into the the foliage this big overgrowth of trees which abruptly starts shaking around you hear the monster roar and the pig screams and it almost in a way makes me think did this thing kill this boar and give it like left it for Locke almost as a here you go it's yeah, kind of a I gift mean, from this thing yeah that monster let him be clearly I mean it was there the cameras the monster's POV it's there yes and then this does leave him alone with this and I don't know well at this point if you've only watched this would there be any motivation for that thing to do it we don't know I think you know that's just something else that we have to find out about it makes like the biggest mystery about Locke in this episode is a mystery that we didn't know was one until it happened uh, when you find out um, about him being able to walk on the island. But it's then replaced with, well, why is he okay? It's true. And uh, I'll, I'll just, you know, that I got nothing else. All I'll say is I think this episode shows that definitively Locke, John Locke is, is – uh, He's a special guy. He's a, yep. He is a special person. I, I think that's right. I think, um, yeah, I think that's all I got to say, too. I guess we could uh, move on to move on to Numbers Watch. Yes! Yeah. 4, 8, 15, 16, 22, 22, over and over and over again. 
their numbers. All right, we got a few numbers. In case you guys don't know what this is, the numbers watches when we talk about when any one of these special, very strange numbers pops up in an episode for a 15, 16, 23, 42. Whenever they pop up, we jot it down and let you guys know where it was. Um, first one I have here is the, um, that Locke has been talking to Helen for about eight months. Mm. Um, again, that means that Kate's friend in Australia, uh, his wife died when Locke started talking to Helen. That's not true. We don't necessarily know the timeline, but it's about a week before his walkabout. So Claire would have gotten pregnant. Um, Ray's wife would have died. And then Locke would have been talking or would have started talking to Helen all around the same time. <laughs> I've never thought of it that way. Weird yeah. <laughs> month for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. It certainly has a lot of things that uh, happen. Um, that's it as far as uh, real numbers, as far as I could tell. I um, Damn. Yeah, no, I came up, uh, I came up short, um, but so I looked it up just to see if I missed anything. And according to Lostpedia, um, the DVD runtime of this show, this episode is 42, 42, 42 minutes and 42 seconds. You know, the editors again, were like on it with that. I, again, I do not count that at all. I mean, it's a weird coincidence maybe, but um, I don't know, maybe in the future, if I run out of, uh, if I only have a couple of numbers, we can keep it at a couple of numbers. Um, I think it might be fun to toy around with the idea of having a Sawyer nickname count as well. It happens. Mm. Uh, I just wrote one of them down that he happens to call Boone Metro in this episode. I don't know what the quote was, but he just called him Metro is his nickname. <laughs> um, I, I like this idea. I had considered a Critter's Watch until I realized that they kind of stopped. Uh, at first, I was going to be like, you got your smoke or you've got your what, what was I saying? You've got a, a monster. You've got a polar bear. You've got a boar now, baby. Um, but then I realized they, they don't introduce new critters every episode of the show. So uh, yeah. we'll probably won't use that as a reoccurring segment. I but mean, if there's no if there's no numbers one week, I'm just going to throw out some nicknames and just see that's if That's a good idea. Yeah. Because you, <laughs> you typically get at least one every episode. This guy's insane. This guy's on fire <laughs> with the nicknames. Yeah, he's great. Does he keep a book? Is that what that little – does he have a book for him? That's, that is what the letter, that piece of paper is that he's got. We'll find out. It's all the nicknames he's writing right. down. So this big feller, what can I call him? Jumbo Look at the letter. Perfect. <laughs> he's got one ready. for every type I'll, of person. I'll drop that down. He writes him down. And he wakes up in the middle of the night in a, in a fever dream of <laughs> – He's covered in sweat. <gasps> Boone's Metro. And he writes it down, and then there it is. <laughs> and then he has he's it. waiting. Right? The first he's chance he gets. For the moment he gets, hey Boone, what's up? And Boone's just being really nice to him. And he's just hey, trying Sawyer. to egg him off. Oh, hey Sawyer, how's it going? Oh, not not bad. Uh, how about that sister of yours, huh? And then he's just waiting for the moment that Boone will snap so he can oh, chill out, Metro or whatever. Mm. <laughs> so good, <laughs> so good. I love it. Um, but yeah, that's all I got, man. And I think we, I think we got it. We got it in the can. Sounds like. I think we did it. Uh, thanks again for listening, everybody. We, we, we appreciate you more than we can say. Uh, keep following along this journey as we only get better and better uh, until we transcend and uh, all achieve nirvana together. Uh, that's all I got. So I'll just say namaste. Namaste. Yeah, the Dharma boys are in the hatch tonight, and you know we're gonna crash like it's 815. Yeah, the Dharma boys are in the hatch tonight, and you know we're gonna crash like it's 815.